What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Helbeck, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you wanna try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are gonna provide actionable, tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Greg Helbeck here with Michael Pinter. And I think everyone is going to be very informed by the time they're done listening to today's episode. We're really going to gear this show around uh, the things to look out for. I guess the theme is the things to look out for when you become the property owner, when you're investing in New York State. And we're specific about New York State because in New York State, there's a lot of laws that are uh, not in favor of property owners, to say the least. So today we're going to cover how to deal with squatters, how to deal with the building department, which is a whole can of worms, and then how to deal with, um, how to deal with permits and, and things like that. Basically, anything you would need to know once you become the owner of a property. And I'm going to start with this. Uh, a lot of time, at least from my experience, I have a plan A for a property, which is my game plan. And quickly after I become the owner, I have to shift over to a plan B because of various things we're going to be discussing in today's, uh, today's episode. So if you're looking to uh, not necessarily wholesale properties, even though this would be important if you're wholesaling properties because you can see where your buyers are coming from. This is going to be a very, very uh, entertaining slash informative episode. And I want Michael to kick it off because Michael this morning, I think it's July 6th right now, Michael made a video. It's funny, this guy, he was alluding to something on another video he made about how he deals with squatters. And then he just came clean on the record this morning on his YouTube video and, and, and pretty much opened up the curtain on what he does to get rid of squatters. And I think he has a a three and zero track record, so that's a hundred percent success rate. I think so, I'm Michael. A, I think I'm more. I'm more than three. I think I'm maybe four or five and zero. Four and zero. I'm one and zero. And actually, yeah, one and zero. But that was easy. But um, and I'll get into that later. But Michael, how do you deal? I mean, what 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 is the what is a squatter? Number one, who if someone doesn't know what a squatter is, what is a squatter? And then the second question is is what issues do the squatters cause, especially in New York? And then the third question is how do you deal with them? Because you have a unique method that that is very effective. And I'll let you say that for, uh, for, for, I'll let you explain that one, not me. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, let's, let's talk about buying a property and then who's in there. So there's really, I, I thought there were three possibilities for people in there, but there are really four. So the first one is the owner, right? You can buy a property, maybe in foreclosure and the owner is still there, you buy it from the bank. The second is it's a tenant, right? Someone who's renting, you can buy it from the owner or you can buy it from a bank and there's a tenant in there. Yep. Uh, the third is um, a licensee, which is a new thing that I never heard before, which means someone had the right to move in there. there were, the, the property I had in Bethpage recently, the, the person that was there was the boyfriend of one of the owners who moved in. He just never moved out. Oh, boy. He was allowed to be in there, but, he, but he's not allowed, but he's overstayed his welcome. And then the fourth is a squatter. A squatter is somebody who has no rights to be in a property, but they move in. Usually they find, a, in fact, I'd say always find a vacant property. And in our business, there's a lot of vacant properties, right? Because we, we have properties that are um, in contract to buy from a seller or in contract to sell to a buyer or contract or properties that we're maybe going to do in, uh, work on. And these people see that there's nobody there um, and they either break in or they the, someone leaves the door unlocked or they get access to it and they move in. 
So that is a squatter. A squatter is somebody who has no legal right to be in the property. The problem in New York is that anyone who is uh, domiciled in a property, anyone living in a property, has rights according to New York State. That is the problem. So the, the, the most obvious way to go about this, you would think, would be to call the police and say, hey, someone's moving into my property. And I've done that if the situation warranted it. I had a property recently in Valley Stream where I was right near a park. There were some homeless people living in the park. So one woman moved in. I, the neighbor said, I think somebody's living in there. Uh, I found her in there. I said, get out. Um, she was not 100% mentally stable. Cops came, took her to a hospital. She came back the next day. I called the cops. Cops took her and I think incarcerated her, but I found out how she's getting in and I remedied that situation. So that's one squatter situation, but you have to know the situation because the problem is, and I only I only called the cops because I I was shocked when I saw her and I saw that she wasn't actually going to know what, what to tell the cops. The problem is what we have in our areas is something called a more sophisticated squatter. And what they do is they create a fake lease. Now, the real problem that you would think the cop would say, well, this guy owns the property and you have a lease with somebody else, but it's not a police matter or even a criminal matter at that point. It's a civil matter that has to be taken up with the eviction courts. Oh. So, so, and we all know that's bad. So I, I, spoke into, I spoke to a seller a couple of days ago who told me that she had this exact situation. She had a property, been vacant for a long time. Squatters moved in, she called the cops before uh, before the pandemic, cops came and said, nothing we could do. Squatters have been there for two and a half years now because of the eviction moratorium, which is insane if you think about it. So um, what I said on my video, and I guess I'll say it now, and I'm not a violent person or a crazy person, mm -hmm. but is you have to maybe act a little violently or crazy to deal with this. So what I do is I go there early, early in the morning. What time are we talking early? I'm talking 6 a.m. I'm talking about waking them up, right? I'm making sure that uh, nobody's had their coffee yet. And um and I pound on the door like a madman. If there's a bell, I'll ring it a hundred times. Like I'm waking them up. I'll break, if I have to break a window, I'll break a window. Like I, I want them to be startled and completely out of sorts. And uh, they'll come to the door. Remember the last situation I had in Elmont? Came to the door. I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my house? And he's like, well, I, I rented it from uh, John. So I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I have a lease here. So I look at the lease and it's not a professional lease. It's, a, it's something the guy wrote, scribbled on. And I'm like, well, what's John's number? I want to know who's leasing out my house. He's like, oh, I don't know. So that's that's where the, the story falls apart, right? There is no John and they don't know who it is. At that point, you just ask him a bunch of questions. I'm like, you don't know who you're renting from? You don't know who your landlord is? What were you going to do if the roof leaked? What were you going to do if something broke? What were you going to do if the, if the electricity got shut off? Because I know you're not paying the bills, I am. And at that point, every time, that's when they realize, you know, this lease isn't worth crap. Um, so at that point, I say, you have two minutes to get your stuff and get out of here. The last property I did was completely staged. They had beds, they had furniture. This was a rehab. It was. It was Quagmire rehab. It was yeah. a subdivision, so I, the house was in pretty good shape. I I got the uh, the lot next to it subdivided, sold the subdivision, and I sold the house without really doing much work to do it. To okay, but, but you it, but staged had, the house. But I had what? You staged the house. This house, house had completely shit in it. All yeah. my staging furniture was in there. I had like two houses worth of staging furniture in there. So everybody, they were having a gay old time with all my stuff, and. Um, so this guy realizes like, so, so he goes, I, I don't know, my cousin's downstairs. So I, at that point, so I had a lamp there. So I go with a bat right now. Let me preface it by saying I'm six foot one, 210 pounds. I'm not afraid of whatever is going to come. And I took the bat and I smashed my own lamp. On another occasion, I smashed a hole in the wall. And I said to the guy, the next thing I'm smashing is your head. Get out of here right now. And then his, his uh, cousin came up and I guess the cousin was the brains of the operation. The cousin goes, like he, he was arguing, the cousin goes, what are you talking about? Let's just get out of here. 
So they, they got out. <laughs> oh my God. That's how it worked. Now, it seems like an insane thing to do, but yeah. I, if you let it go to the police and the guy is as sophisticated as these guys were, and that wasn't very sophisticated, um, at that point, you have, a, you have a real problem because you can't get them out until you go through the process. And we both know that the process to evict tenants takes a very long time. In the oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that, what would you, how would you coin that? Is that called a, an aggressive eviction or what, what, what would we call that? Like an eviction with passion? Uh, I would say it's an overwhelming, uh, what is it? It's a shock and awe campaign to make the person there make a split second decision that it's not worth it for me to deal with the BS that I've maybe dealt with in other situations because I think this guy might kill me. So I'm just going to yeah. get my stuff and go. Yeah, no, that is, I would call that unbelievably effective because <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing with that this is like me i've never done i've done something different which i'll share in a minute but that is insane in a good way because it's going to get someone to actually take action if the squatter was in a situation where they had a case they wouldn't even be there so you're basically they're trying to to, to posture up to you but if you approach them with hey you know you're not supposed to be here I have a bat and I'm willing to damage this property and you next, obviously you didn't have to do that. They're going to do something, you know, especially these, these, we're not talking, we're not dealing with hedge fund managers here. We're not dealing with people who are, you know, got 2 billion AUM. You know, these are people who not, not retired brain surgeons. No. <laughs> yeah. The only thing they're concocting is the meth in the basement. So that's, um, I've never had anybody actually concoct meth, but, the, but, but whatever, they're taking advantage of a They're situation. taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, yeah. I guess the option, it, I, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of squatters who were using the place to, to just uh, smoke pot, <laughs> drugs. I've had that yeah. situation. It was like, they were just looking for a roof over their heads to smoke. In fact, every single squatter I've ever done this to, <laughs> I've always found marijuana residue. <laughs> I've never not had that. So yeah. Um, that's that's what it is, and it's it's usually this is not this is not like their long, their long term plan. They knew that this was a finite situation. Yeah, they just think that if the cops come, that they can get an extra couple of months out of it. Yeah, right. So you want to convince them that it's not it, that's not going to happen. So I think when you when I start asking questions about the lease, and they realize they just can't answer me, then they realize well maybe if the cops come, they're gonna the cops not going to believe me either. Yeah, um, and but, that's going to get them out. Right. So most most people don't even think that far ahead. Right. They, they don't understand that. So I've had sellers who said like, well, I just assumed that if the cops knew that it was my house and this guy wasn't my tenant, that he'd be out of there. But that's not how the cops have to act. They have to act within the law. And the law says if somebody's in there, it's not a uh, it's not a criminal situation anymore. It's a civil situation. Yeah. And, and you have to do something because that's costing you. If it's a flip property, that's costing you money every day. And it's costing you, more money. you money. They're not yeah. taking care of the property. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, if you have stuff in there, they're going to ruin it. That you need to get them out right away. And what I said also in the video is that you need to, if you have properties, you should check them every two to three days. Oh, because 100%. the longer they stay without anybody coming in there, the more they think that this is going to be a longer term play. So you need to, not more than a couple of days, you got to find if somebody's squatting in your property, you need to know it. 100%. 100%. And this is, the, that's how the way you have to handle some people. You know, I had a situation, I'm not one upping you at all. I'm just sharing another example <laughs> on, on, I, I hate when I always like, always try to change this. Like I, I never want to one up, but I have another example. So it's relevant to the topic. Like I had a wholesale deal. This was a problem. This was a major problem. This was back in December of 2020. So not too long ago, about six months ago. And the buyer walked the park. I never, I, I've been to the property, but I was not in the loop at all. I was totally like remote. And I get a call. Like I, I didn't really, in California, I never would go near my phone for the first three hours of the day. But in, in New York, it, that was like really six hours into the day. So like business was humming and I was really kind of not involved. I got to my phone and there was like six missed calls from the buyer. And I thought someone like 
threw a bomb off in this property. Uh, and he's like, there's a catastrophe here. There, the cops are here and there's someone in the hallway, you know, like curled up in a ball with cat shit everywhere and there's shit everywhere. And I go, what are you talking about? And he's like, I thought this person was moving. And so long story short, there was a, a, a this actually wasn't a squatter, Michael. This was a licensee. This was a, no, thinking about what you said. This was a licensee. And this person, they, um, they were living in the property rent-free. The person who owned the property inherited the property. So he was just living there because he, you know, he, uh, he happened to have the property that got passed down to him. And she was supposed to leave. And she was supposed to literally move next door because this was in a condo complex. And the lady next door felt bad for us. She's like, just live with me. Live in my vacant unit. She owned a bunch of units in there. And her son found out. And he's like, there's no way she's living in there. She's not going to go anywhere. And at the last minute she found out she couldn't move. So she stayed and freaked out. She was this whole episode and there was this fiasco and the cops came and this whole thing. And I called the, um, the, what are the people with the street jacket? I called them. They couldn't help me. Mental health. Yes. I called mental health and they were like, this is not a mental health crisis. You no. might need the mental health. Right. So long story short, the, cop, the cops take them to the hospital. If they think yeah. there's a mental health. Yeah. This is long story short. What ended up happening is the, the closing got delayed. And instead of me approaching this person and being like, you have to go. Cause like, I knew she had some rights, especially like this is in the middle of COVID. I looked at her, I walked in there. I didn't have a baseball bat. I should have brought that, but uh, she was harmless. The cat probably, was probably, probably more not. dangerous than her. Yeah. I walked in there and I brought my dad with me. I'm like, you want to see something crazy? Come here. I said, get over here. Come, come on, come to this property. He's like an ex cop. So he's probably seen some crazy gang gangsters and stuff. And uh, he was like, he was just like sitting there. I looked at the lady. I just like stared at her in the eyes. And I, I looked around this, this condo looked like an explosion went off. And it was disgusting. And I'd seen some nasty properties. This thing was this, just the smell in there. It was smelled like there was dead animals in there. I looked at her and it was like freezing cold. That I said, do you really want to be here? And she, and I, I said that in like that tone and she goes, no, I don't. I just don't know where to go. And like, just like that. And I'm like, okay. I said, I don't know if I can do this, but if I could pull all this off today, would you actually move? Cause I'm about to make some phone calls. And I, I, she told me what she needed. She needed a place to store her shit. She needed a place to stay and she needed, um, some money. She needed some cash. So I said, listen, how much did she want? She wanted enough money to pay for the hotel. Cause I was not putting a damn hotel with a cat in my name. No way. And I, I called the, I called the hotel. I said, do you guys accept cash? She said, yes. I called a storage company. They said they have availability down the street. And I called a moving company cause she needed, I mean, I'm not going to move her shit for her. So we got everything lined up in a matter of six hours. She was out of that property and that house was closed. But the, the point of that is that depending on what you're dealing with, with squatters or licensees, you got to know how to handle that situation. If this person broke in there, I probably would have went a little bit more crazy, but this person legitimately had legal rights. And Another I kind of right. heard, yeah, she yeah, had right. every yeah, right to be there. Different. Like you can't, you can't go crazy like I just described on a real tenant or on yeah. owner. And anybody yeah. who has rights to be there, if you do that, you're, you're, you you risk going to jail. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to jail for any of this business. I'll tell you that much. No. But when I act insane with a squatter, I know that they're they're going to get out of there. They're going to get out of there. And then and if they call the cops on me, that I'm not going to prison for it because no, unless I kill somebody, which I never intend to do. But um, uh, it's my house, so you know I'm not going to jail for for yeah. getting angry inside of it. Hundred percent. I always say this with tenants. Right. And my I learned this from my friend Joe Finneran, who you met last week. You just my. You just texted me while we were while we he's were hilarious. <laughs> I, he, I learned this from him. It's my house. It's your home. With By the way, that was a great thing that he said. I remember I was on your, you, you, I was on your, uh, on your podcast. Yeah. 
That's brilliant. True. I've never done that. And I really should like, don't call me for little tiny. Yes, things. exactly. My house, if, your home. Right. If something, if, if the toilet's clogged, don't call me the prop. You got to, you got to establish that in the beginning because unfortunately, you know, we get what we tolerate. And I, I have sent many, uh, there's a company here called Duty Man that goes and uh, snakes out things, and I've called them many <laughs> times for a stuffed up toilet. So yeah, that's what that's what I uh, that's what I've taught my tenants to uh, to to expect. So it's my it's my fault. I should handle it differently. Yeah. And the thing with squatters, you know, just to, to pivot back, if it is a squatter or a licensee, it's a little different because they're not even though the licensee is entitled to be there, the squatter you have to be aggressive with them or else they're not the reason they're a squatter. It's not like they're just happen to wake up one day and say, Oh, I'm going to be a squatter when I grow up. Like they, they, they've been making bad choices for a while and they happen to just make a bad choice to be in your house. So Absolutely. the main point, I know Michael and I are very entertaining and that's why we have five-star reviews, but the bottom line is that you got to know how to handle the situation because the point is when you start buying property and becoming the owner, like I said, in the beginning, you're going to have a plan A, you're going to have to pivot over to plan B very quickly. So the second thing that I have noticed, Michael, with, with people getting involved in properties in New York, is they have no idea what these building departments, especially in your, our area, Southern New York, are like. Because this is not like you're up in Potsdam, New York, and there's a mayor, and there's a cop, and there's a, a firefighter. And the, a, and the mayor's the building inspector. Exactly. <laughs> this is not the case down here. This is These are very densely populated areas that are very expensive real estate who have a high staff. And you got to know what you're getting into when it comes to the building department. So, Michael, I want you to just kick that off with the, what to know about building departments, especially in, in Southern New York, when you're, you're South of probably Ulster County, because that's when it gets really complicated. Right. I found. So the first thing is to know exactly who has jurisdiction, because it's not so simple, right? In Nassau County, there are three uh, towns, town of Hempstead, town of North Hempstead, town of Oyster Bay. Then they're like 20 villages and anything in, a, in an incorporated village has that village becomes the building department that has jurisdiction. So first of all, find out who has jurisdiction. And then you can go there and, and, and talk to them, right? You can find out or you can ask other people how they, how they are to deal with. Some villages are really easy. You literally walk in and they say, let's take a ride over there and see what's going on. And some villages, you know, you, you put in a, you apply for a permit and they'll get back to you in four weeks. Um, some villages are crazy about regulations and some villages don't care. There's a village of Hempstead near me. I got like a $400 fine. I had to actually appear because I threw a, a refrigerator outside and I didn't take the doors off. I didn't know you had to take the doors off. Tell me it's a danger because a kid can climb in and suffocate. I'm like, oh God. Now, I, didn't, I wouldn't mind paying the fine as much as I had to show up in court and wait there with a bunch of oh people. Oh my who gosh. Had parked, That's with a bunch crazy. of people who had parked uh, overnight because you can't park in a lot of village streets overnight. So I had to sit there for waste four hours of my time. Um, so you have to learn how the villages work and you should really learn what's required, what requires a permit and what doesn't. It's different everywhere. There's a village by me, village of Malvern. If you replace two windows, you need a permit. If you replace one window and then wait a week and replace another window, you don't need a permit. So these are the kinds of crazy things that every village has. And you need also, you, you if you're hiring a contractor and getting a permit, you need to know if they're licensed in that village. Some villages will accept a broader like town or Nassau County license. And some villages require your contractor to, to pay, it's all a money grab, pay a few hundred dollars to be licensed in their village. So these are the things you have to find out um, about every Easy. building department. And you got to find out, you know, whether it's worth doing work without a permit or yeah. whether it's not worth doing work without a permit. Now, if it's, so the, uh, the things, the factors that, that go into that are A, how extensive the work you're doing, uh, B, how long it takes to get a permit, right? I'm still waiting on a permit for Dan Hempstead from November and we're in July. Um, 
what happens to you if you get caught doing work without a permit? Mm. It's not work order, but how long does that last and how easy is it to get removed? Um, some places it's not a big deal. Some places it'll make you set you back 30 days. But just think about that. If it takes seven months to get a permit and a stop work order will take you 30 days, it may almost be better to do the work and get caught. So these are all the things you have to look into. It's complicated because every single building department is different. They are not easy. They are designed. They say they're designed to really make all the housing safe and that no one is in an unsafe environment, but they're really designed to just be a revenue grab for the for the municipality. So um, one of the things that I do very often is I'll order a maintain permit. So there's two kinds of permits. There's a permit, standard building permit, which says, hey, I want to do this. I want to, I want to add a bathroom into my house. Yeah. You get a regular building permit, and then there's a maintain permit, which means, hey, I bought this house. It had a bathroom that was never permitted. Now I want to get a permit for it. So a maintained permit usually costs a little more or some more than, than a regular permit. But what it does is it gets them, it gets you on the books. And what it does is allow them to do a closed wall inspection. They don't have to go in and see the insulation and check on the electrical and the plumbing behind the walls. They can only see what they can see. Yeah. So sometimes even before I do the work, I may, and I don't always recommend this, depends on a lot of other factors. I may, I may file a maintained permit on it so that I know that I'm on the books. I have a permit. If they catch me doing the work, they're going to be a little confused as to what the hell is going on here. This wasn't maintained. But usually they're like, all right, just like, I'm not, I'm not going to get in trouble. As long as you're, you're giving them money and you're on their books and there's something filed. Um, so that's what you have to know every single municipality you deal with. They're all different and they're all complicated. 100%. And that, what, what would you say? Like, I've, I've definitely been involved with this now. And I think there are some things just generally across the board that you can get away with a lot easier. Like, so like, for example, you know, technically when you have a house on the MLS, you know, if the kitchen is renovated and the house was not on the MLS before, like let's say it was an off-market property and now it becomes on market after you've owned it. I have found that unless you're just deliberately saying stupid stuff in the listing, which I have experienced doing that as well. I wasn't the one doing it, but someone I was with was doing that. And we ended up having to pay the five grand for that, but never say brand new, never, never, never. So let's say you do a kitchen over. Okay. And you, you hang cabinets, put in countertops and put in appliances and put in a floor. That's essentially what, and do the lighting. That's all a kitchen really is at the end of the day. I have found at least in my area, you really won't get poked too hard um, because they really have no evidence, at least from your listing that that was done at, you know, when, when that, that, that was done, uh, while you own the property, you could always say, Hey, listen, um, I bought the property like that. I did a property where I didn't do that. I, I ended up getting permits for the deck, but I basically blew out an entire wall in the middle of the top floor of the house, opened up the entire thing, took out the electric. We did a cowboy rehab. It ended up looking really nice. But if that was on the market and someone were in the building department, some, some of these building departments will look at listings and they see there was a kitchen with a wall and all of a sudden that wall is, uh, is gone, they're going to flag you and that's going to be a problem. And you're going to have to deal with that with your end user. And they're going to have some questions too. And start questioning, oh, did this guy do spotty work? He didn't have a permit. Am I buying a house from a cowboy? Like, and this is real stuff. This is not like, like this happens all the time. It's true. It's true. So you got to know what you're doing. Like another example is I, uh, I think I've shared this before. I'll share it again. I, I bought a property with a, a deck that apparently was there and they never sent anyone out to like walk the premises. So like, to my knowledge, there was never any issues. And turns out they changed the way they did it after I sold it or when I sold it. And they saw there was a deck there and it was unpermitted and it was like six inches behind the survey setback line. I had to end up having a contractor for like five grand. It was insane. 
chop off six inches of this deck. It ended up being a foot just to be safe. And I was like, I was like, this is insanity. And then the next time I did a house with a deck, I got a permit and it wasn't that bad. It was in the village of Monroe right near me. But I knew going in what that process was like. And here's a real actionable tip for people if they're getting involved in rehabs, especially with permits. You want to file a permit the sec, attempt to file a permit the second you get under contract, not when you become the owner. And you can do this. Some, some towns don't some care. That, allow, some places allow, yeah. some places don't. You, then the owner has, then you have to have the owner start to file that permit process, which is a little bit of a tough sell, but you know, you, you can do it. Sometimes you, you ask know? them just please, you don't have to pay for it. I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to deal with it so, sometimes. Like I'm, I'm yeah. buying a pro, I'm trying to do a deal now in, um, in Hempstead and the village of Hempstead will not like, I'm like, I'm a contract vendee. And they're like, you have no rights to do anything. Like they wouldn't even send the building inspector unless they're trying started. to have the owner do that. Are you going to try to have the owner, the owner did it? it? I got a building inspector there. I found out what was involved and I'm going to start getting busy with it. But um, some will allow you just as a contract vendee. I don't know why they would really care as long as, I mean, maybe they would require something from the owner. that just says you're in contract or a copy of the contract, but, but some villages will not allow you to do it unless you own the property. No, for sure. I'm just writing some notes here. Um, yeah. And the, the biggest thing I've seen too, is like, like every, the building, the building inspectors themselves, I think they, they have a very repetitive job and they have no, and so this is another thing that, that I've made this mistake by being an amateur back in the day, the building inspector has no, they don't give a shit about you and your hard money costs. They don't care that you're an investor. They don't care that you're a millionaire, whatever. They don't give a shit. All they care about is if you follow their code to the letter. So I, I've seen, and I've made this mistake where I would like, try to like sell the building inspector, but he's still making the same amount of money he's going to make, whether he gives me a permit or whether he doesn't give me a permit. And if you communicate with a building inspector the wrong way, you're going to go to the bottom of their list and they're just going to make you suffer because they have no financial incentive in that project. And I've seen- They have, they have no incentive whatsoever. They, they have no care. incentive. They yeah, they have no incentive. They was a, all, yeah, go ahead. So there was, a, there was an electrical inspector in one of the villages who was so bad that um, everyone knew that he, he had to go. I mean, literally he was causing, I mean, there were people told me they were waiting years to get a project finished because of one electrical inspector. And so they found a reason to fire him and they got rid of him. And like the building, entire building process went better in that village. There was another building inspector in town of Hempstead who was in an area who he was notorious and he did this to me a bunch of times. He would give you, do X, Y, and Z and you do it. And then he'd go, oh, and now do A, B, and C. And you'd come Ooh. back and they go, oh, now do D, you know. So thank God he got moved to another area. But like there are building inspectors who are just not good people and there are building inspectors who are great. Exactly. Um, you know, but they, they do not care about your story. Like people think, I've gone to traffic court, unfortunately, many times. I've been there in a long time, but you go to traffic court, you see people that go there and they go, I, I've honest to God seen this. I swear on a Quran that I wasn't speeding. And the, and the, and the judge is like, listen, I, I, that doesn't matter. Like people try and tell their story and they think yeah. that government officials are going to care about their private story. Building inspectors don't care, judges don't care. It's just simple. Did you, you know, what what are we doing here? You need to make this uh, six inches shorter because the setback is 15 feet and you're 14 and a half feet. That's it, just make it better and I'll come back and then you'll be fine. Don't yeah. tell me that you have to pay you have to pay your hard money lender. I don't care. Nobody cares about you. They don't care. Right? You're a big, you're an adult, you know? And that's the thing I see a lot of new investors get tripped up is they think that, you know, their building inspector is trying to demise their, their ambitions of being a millionaire. It's like, dude, they're just doing their job. So if you just right. got to, 
communicate to them how they want to be communicated with. And, and, if, they're, I, and if they're difficult, then you got to deal with them yeah. being difficult. That's it. I've, I've had my share of difficult building inspectors. hundred percent. So here's another thing when it comes to, to this is where I, I, I think the permitting can be a little bit more or just, just with permits, you got to be more careful with this stuff. When you're getting involved in electrical permits and you're getting involved with plumbing, because and I, 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 I'm like, I think there is definitely more of a, a, uh, a reason for that to be valid because that is high ticket, high danger um, areas. So if you're, for example, changing the electric, I wouldn't hire my general carpenter to do the electric. I'm hiring my licensed electrician to do that and I'm paying a premium and I have no problem yeah, doing wanna, that. You want to use licensed uh, electricians and plumbers because in the event that you do get caught, someone's going to have to sign off on that and you need, someone has to be licensed for that. So even if you're not getting a permit, you want to use licensed electricians and plumbers just in case you get caught. Because if you don't use that, you're gonna have to then pay a, a licensed electrician or plumber to come sign off on it. And then they're gonna charge you a lot of money to do, to basically come in and say, this is wrong, that's wrong, this wrong. You know, I'll fix, I'll do it for you for a lot of money. And, and, and that's what happens very often. So yeah, you want to use licensed electricians, licensed plumbers, even if you're not getting a permit, you wanna use somebody's license. 100%. And then another thing when it comes to permits, and this is something I've learned recently is that in, in certain areas, there's a thing called a rental permit that I was not aware of. And that can lead to a whole slew of problems if you don't know what you're getting into. So example, I bought a property sight unseen with tenants and they, um, they're, they're in the process of hopefully moving out soon. I doubt it. And um, I didn't know that there was a city of Middletown um, rental that's inspection. Rental permit annual. requirement. Yeah. And inspection too. So if you're buying properties to rent, like if you want to be a landlord and you're buying good deals off market, you need to know what the building department's going to require for a rental inspection. Because, and a lot of it is like stupid shit that's common sense, like fire extinguisher, smoke detector. But some of these, you know, in our previous episode, we talked about section eight. In, in, in some of these instances, you're going to have to have a lot of things that you might not expect. You know, so if you're buying a property, and a lot of the times I've seen a lot of these landlords that I deal with, they're slumlords, quite honestly. They're slumlords. They have been letting this property go to crap for years and years and years. And that's why they're selling at a discount. And you need to you know, understand when you step in as the owner, especially with tenants in a tough city, you got to be able to fight that fight and, and, and be reasonable with these people because these, these, these rental permits are make or break. Because if, if they you know, deem your property as a, as a non-habitational rental, you're in a whole lot of trouble. You're really, you're, you yes. can really put yourself in a bad situation. So does that happen down on Long Island or is that more yeah, upstate? It happens in certain, in certain towns and certain villages. They require a rental permit. Rental permits are also pains. Um, but yeah, there are places. And it's the same thing. You got to find out what the requirements are. Some of them require that nobody's been, nobody sleeps in a room smaller than a certain size. Um, sometimes they'll require uh, multiple ingress and egress. So even if you're on like the first or second floor, they may want uh, to show that there's a fire um, fire ladder. Certainly, if you're above two floors, you need, you need you're going to need fire escape. Um, in most places, if you have above two floors, you're going to you're going to need a sprinkler system too, which is not cheap. And these are things that you just got to uh, you got to know the code uh, when you get into it. People from other states, most states do not have a lot of these requirements. No, but, uh, no state, way. New York, California, they certainly do. I remember in Texas one time. <laughs> This is funny. We bought a property to wholesale in cash, no financing. So it wasn't expensive. It was cheap. It was, I'm not like shelling out 500 grand for these things. So it was cheap. And I was asking the guy I was JVing with, I said, he's like, oh, we're going to make it a three bed property. I was like, yeah, we got to get a permit for that. I'm like, you think that's amazing? He's like, he's like, dude, dude, we're just going to put a damn door in there. I said, 
I'm like, what are you talking about? We're just going to put a door. I'm like, you got to get a permit. You got to get a, a plan drawn up. And he goes, dude, what are you talking about? I go, I go, dude, this, what, this is all I know. You got to get the building. He's like, dude, the same. We don't do it down here in Texas. Man, we're going to stick a damn door in there. We're going to sell the property. So it blew my mind to where like some of these areas, you can sell a property no matter what, buyer beware. Even in California, you can do a little bit more of that than New York. I remember you California could just- a little easier yeah. with that too, but but uh, but you probably have to buy a permit, but you get it like in a week and yep. they'll, they'll allow most of it to go. But in New York, you're not, you can put up a door, but uh, but that's an unpermitted addition. And that could be an issue with a buyer. It might not be, you gotta- Yeah, yeah. A little funny permit thing is this is, this is how on top some of these villages are. There's a village of Walden. I bought a property that I'm wholetailing right now. And the second I became the owner, I had the seller was cleaning their stuff out with a dumpster. I got a letter in the mail from the village of Walden saying, we see that you're doing construction on this property. Stop immediately or else we're going to see, you know, you know, inflict damage basically. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I called and I was like, listen, I know you see a dumpster out there. If you go walk inside, there's no work being done whatsoever, sir. So, so a lot of these villages, especially the villages I've noticed, because they're obviously smaller together. They are on top of what's going on. They have people yeah. in the field every single day going out there and making sure that people aren't doing just driving around. Permit. Look, look at the pinch here. Yeah, there are places. There are places by me that require a dumpster permit. Before you put a dumpster, dumpster there, they want a permit for the dumpster. Really? Oh, I've never Think heard of that. that. That's crazy. But that's yeah. that's insanity. That's insanity. So to summarize the permit game, Michael, what, one more thing I want to cover, and then we'll wrap it up, is when it comes to when you know you're buying a property, because there's, there's permits and then there's a thing called the CFO is kind of like the cousin to a permit a certificate of occupancy. So a big thing I know you do in Long Island is you're buying properties. And a lot of people out there buy properties with, with open COs, you know, which is, is something that, that can be good and bad. Right. And it can well, be easier. They, there are properties that have no CFOs because the property. No CFOs. No, no CFOs. Yeah. yeah. So prior to the building department existing. So there's something called a non-conforming. So I've done a lot of non-conforming properties. So what, what that means is I'm doing one now. Um, it's a non-conforming two-family. And what that means is that the, the village or the town, I forgot which one, knows it's being used as a two-family. They're okay with it. But if it got destroyed, you wouldn't be able to build a two-family there. So it's there's basically a letter saying, we know that it's being used as a two-family. It's prior to CFO. Um, this area is not is not per, is not zoned for a two-family, but it's grandfathered in, and that's something you have to a buyer has to understand. Some buyers don't understand that. I'm doing one now in Valley Stream, with uh, that exact same thing. So the village of Valley Stream knows that it's a two-family knows it's being used two-family. They're okay, but if a meteor would hit it tomorrow, you wouldn't be able to build a two-family there. It's zoned commercial. So uh, there are a lot of properties in our area because we have very old inventory, right? Not mm -hmm. like uh, Dallas and. Uh, and Phoenix, where everything's built in the 80s and beyond. Same thing. Um, it's the same house. Duplicate. Right. Where, where you'll get a letter. They call it a letter in lieu, which means it's a letter saying, hey, um, there is no CFO, but uh, we know that it's, it's okay because it's grandfather. That happens a lot. Yeah. How often would you say you're buying properties when they're not in a subdivision and they're kind of these different type of houses that might be off of the beaten, not off the beaten path because Long Island's pretty dense, but just not like your cookie cutter do not duplex but raise ranch in a subdivision all the other houses are raised ranches like because i i have a lot of properties where these things are are are, are on a side street or they're they're so it's not like it's that easy to just comp out and we'll, we'll talk about that in another There's episode a lot, yeah. lot a lot of situations you describe are situations where a seller looks at it and says this is something different and this is going to be a problem and i don't want to deal with the usual 
crap that I I would get when I went through a, a regular listing it on the multiple with an agent so on MLS so that happens it happens how what I don't know maybe 10% of the time 20% yeah. of the time it happens where it's something just different the problem with those is that you need to be able to comp them out well right yes that's hard, hard to comp right and if I can't comp something I mean I probably won't even buy it but uh, it's very rare that I can't comp something out very very rare thankfully we're we're in a super dense area where we can get comps for things so um, but it, ha it happens, it definitely happens or something that's just not, not, not like everything else. Yeah. I've, I found too, like, here's another one more building department story, just to, to actually an assessor building department story where I, I worked out in my favor. So I bought a property. It was one of those properties where it was kind of a weirdish property. It was in a great area, but it was not in a subdivision on a pretty busy road with a long driveway. So it had some separation. And I remember walking the property and I got a really good price on it. I just didn't know what I had. And it was labeled on the, and this is something you see a lot, especially in Long Island where they're like the tax records garbage. Like it said it was a two bed property. And I'm like, there are three legitimate bedrooms in here. This is not a two, like there's no way this is a two. And it's a huge property, like it's 1800 square feet. I'm like, there's this, you walk in there, two bedrooms upstairs, one bedroom downstairs. There's no negotiating that it was not a three bedroom property. All had closets. The bedrooms were not quirky, no crazy roof ridges. And I, I was like, man, I... I'm going to be in a situation if I have to sell this as a two bedroom property, like it's not going to be as valuable. And I, I did, this is like really like in the nitty gritty, but this property happened to be on a septic tank. And the biggest thing, if you're trying to convert a, a tax record, two bedroom into a tax record, three, three bedroom is that the septic tank has to be a certain size that allows the, the, the amount of bedrooms to be able to really like live there. So they're not like producing too much um, capacity for the septic tank. So I ended up, Finding out the septic tank was, you know, the, the right size from the septic company. And all I did was I called the assessor and I said, hey, go in this property. And if you don't think there's three bedrooms in there, give, give me a call and let me know. And they walked in there and they called me anyway. And they said, this is a three bedroom property. So I, I just had it changed as a three bed property. And there was no permits, no filing, nothing like that. That's great. And, you know, so sometimes it can work out in your favor, you know, so sometimes so you I can find, be honest. I find very often that the... Uh, I'd say most properties in my area doesn't even have a bedroom count. They don't know. Or they have the bedroom count off or the bathroom count off. That happens yep. a lot. Because a lot of the older stuff, they didn't even count bedrooms. They didn't even know. So um, I'm not scared when I see it's off. I'm, I'm scared when, when I see it and it looks bad. Or uh, to me, sometimes that's a, that's a selling point for, for, for me while I'll buy it. I'll be like, hey, is the bathroom yeah. permitted? And you know, they'll say something like, no. And I'll be like, well, it's something I may have to take care of. So um, very often the count's off by us, like very, the public data in general stinks. So uh, by us, so by me anyway. Better you don't have like a tax record. Like you can't just go to like county tax record and it's, 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 it's all village based. That's like Rockland no, County. No, no, you have not count. Counties don't keep track of that, but it's, it's like <sighs> in Nassau County, there's three townships. So the town of Hempstead might, but it's very, it's so common for the town not to have a count on that because it's so old. Yeah. That it's not it's it's not seen as wow. There's no we don't know what's going on here. They, very often they don't know what's going on. Hundred so. percent. The best data is always going to be in the MLS too. Prop streams okay for right. for not having a license, but if you, especially one key if you're down in the in the tri-state area, it's it's pretty effective. I, I share, think your old MLS. We share the same MLS now. Yeah. Oh, so you so I can see everything in Long Island, and you can see everything up in in Goshen. And I don't whatnot. know if it's completely integrated, but you could see a lot, and I could see a lot. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny. Like really they're not long Island geographically is not too far away from Hudson Valley. It's really only like 65, 70 miles, but just, just to get there. Cities like in between us. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. But anyway, I hope everyone got some value from today's show. I mean, this is more of a, 
I guess an advanced topic, we'll have some more beginner episodes on wholesaling and marketing and dealing with failure and things like that, that is going to be more, I wouldn't say elementary, but yeah, more one-on-one level. Um, but if you're listening and you've done deals before, or you're looking to buy real estate and not just wholesale, you got to know these things. You got to know how to deal with squatters. You got to know how to deal with building departments. You got to know how to deal with permits. And I think one more thing I want to mention as well in this, and, and this is some advice that I have heard on the internet and I've mentioned it before, and I strongly disagree with it is like, know nothing about real estate. All you got to do is, is market. And I, I think that is extremely horrendous advice. And I think that um, makes people look bad in this, it makes investors look bad. At the end of the day, if you're sitting here, you got to ask yourself, if you want to hit your goals, if you want to hit your income goals, you want to become a millionaire, whatever, you need to be an expert and a master in your craft. You think the plumber, if, 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 if I ever called the plumber and I said, hey, Mr. Plumber, can you, um, can you tell me about how to change this boiler? And he's like, you know, I don't know anything about boilers, Greg. All I know is I know how to get customers. You know what I'm doing? I'm calling the plumber who knows how to deal with boilers. So become a specialist, right? It's a high value skill in this business if you know what you're doing. I, you know? agree, I agree 100%. I think that there are, there are areas in this country where you yeah. can just basically know where everything is so homogenous that if you know yeah. I buy something at yeah. $70,000, I'm going to make money on it. Yeah, no. But by us, our inventory is so diverse and so different that you really need to know a lot about real estate to, to, to do well here. Yeah. You got to know about construction. I'm not saying you have to know how to fix a house like yourself. You got to know what stuff costs and how the process works or else you're going to be at a huge disadvantage and you're going to be like, well, the guru said I need to know anything about real estate. Well, guess what? The guru is wrong. <laughs> Trust me. Anyway. We're both in agreement on that point. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I see that. I'm like, this is why people get deals under contract and can't sell them because they don't know what they're doing. You know? Um, so right. I hope everyone got some value from today's episode. If you're listening, uh, please leave a review on iTunes, a five-star review or wherever you listen to this. If you can share this show with five people, copy and paste it, email it, whatever you got to do to, to spread the word. And uh, we will come back with another great episode soon. All right, everyone have a great day.